morning. If you have your Bibles with you, could you turn to Matthew chapter 13? I was, um, I shared with Tommy earlier, I was in, asked to go to Lomos Prison last, last Monday to share my testimony. And I, it just dawned on me that I hadn't shared my testimony, my full testimony, for years. Must be seven or eight years. Um, it was quite weird actually to take points, see if it was still me, and it did happen. But, uh, and this is where this word is, this is the very first word that God ever spoke to me in my room. Um, the weird way it came about, um, I don't want to get into my testimony, but in fact, I'm giving my testimony tonight at the well. That's a wee plug, by the way. Um, it's in Jackson Street, Colt Bridge, 8 o'clock. And I just believe I have to share my testimony. Um, I always kind of try and bring my, my own life into when I'm preaching and, and bring part of my testimony into it because it's, it's, it's life. Um, but this... This um, this word came about as a, I got touched with the Lord in my room when I was drinking with my mate, and it was quite bizarre setting. Anyway, as the night unfolded and the morning came, I thought I was still on LSD. I thought I was still trapped in acid because I thought my mate had spiked me. I now know it was the Holy Spirit, but back then I didn't. So <clears throat> I had this wee Gideon Bible for, for the high school. And uh, my mate phoned me and he, I said to him, you better get down here, I'm still tripping. What was it you gave me last night? He says, look, I've told you what it was. I haven't had anything myself, this must be the Holy Spirit they were talking about at church. And because I'm still feeling the same way you are. And He said, you still got that wee Bible, that wee book? I says, aye. He says, we didn't know verses and chapter. He says, turn to page something, whatever. And this is what I turned to. And um, I read, he says, he says, read that. So I, I read this parable of the sower. And uh, the weird thing happened, he said to me, what does that mean? And I began to explain to him what it meant. And he went, that's not what it meant. I kind of, in my own kind of scheme language, said, uh, I will, the truth in it, the seed's the truth. And uh, some people don't get it at the start. Sometimes it gets distracted, took away. Cares of the world come in and, and choke it. And I says, and uh, so I, I went in and what I was, I was explaining what the parable was. And he says, that's not what it says. I says, I, that's of course in front of me. It's exactly what it says. But in this wee Gideon, it says, turn over the page. When I read it, you'll, you'll understand. <clears throat> There's a gap there and then Jesus explains the parable. And see when I read what Jesus was explaining the parable, I got a feeling from my toes right up to my head, like a rush again. It was and it was all feelings, but again I thought I was on a drug and that's what I was getting, but I now know it was revelation for the world. And I and I actually did explain it the way Jesus explained it in more terms. But I knew that even God gives you a gift of faith. And he gives you revelation of his word. And for 
somebody in my state, that was incredible, absolutely incredible. So this is the first word that God ever spoke to me. Um, verse 1. That same day Jesus went out to the house, out of the house, and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him, and he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. And when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell in good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Who has ears? Whoever has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak in parables? To the people in parables, he replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you and not to them. Whoever will, be give, whoever will be given more, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And they must fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For the people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because you they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling in good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it, and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times which was sown. Amen. <coughs> As I say, this is again the first word I've ever heard, and the first word that I realised that God can give you revelation and actually explain more than what the words were. Because I, as you see that that gap before Jesus explains it, I had to turn my page and that we get in, and then when Jesus explained it, I just Something armed. Incredible. In Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, on the sixth day, 
This is God made man in his own image. <clears throat> in the image of man. In chapter 2, verse 15, it says, God made Adam. Basically, God made Adam to be a gardener in his garden. I'm going to read that actually. Genesis 2, verse 15. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. See, <clears throat> God placed Adam in the garden and he becomes a gardener. And I've been thinking about this. We were gardeners in the kingdom of God. Every one of us have been called to be a gardener. I work with people with special needs, people with disabilities, and I work in a lot. I've, I've got a group on a Tuesday that's often out for the winter. But um, even throughout the winter last year, we were doing a course, a, a college course, and I had six guys. And uh, it was a learning curve how to grow stuff, because I don't have green fingers. And uh, But because of the course we were on, we were learning how to do things, learning how to how to, the, the different things of the soil, what kind of soil you need to go with this and that, and it's dead interesting. And God always talks to you when it's, when it's, when it's nature, God's always talking to me. See, you need to test the soil. See, if it's too acidic or it's too sandy or it's too, too much clay in it and that. So if, if there is these things, you need to put things into the garden to make stuff grow. It just doesn't grow in any ground. And I was thinking about this parable. You know, you need to put the right nutrients into the ground for things to grow. So you would use manure and you would you'd use compost and stuff like that and you would need to keep turning it over and digging it and it's hard work. But these are the things you need to do for the for the crops to grow, and if you don't dig in, the, if you don't dig in the manure, the acid in the manure burns all the crops, burns all the roots of everything that you try and plant. So you need to dig it deep, double dig it. You need to, so all these things need to be done. The soil needs to be prepared before you even put a seed in it. <coughs> and I was thinking of this this um, <laughs> this, this parable. Um, for stuff to land in the path, you need to scar the seed. And I've seen that happening. I'm saying, oh, there you go, there, bird food there, there, and all waste. The boy's just throwing the seeds in. And again, we see in this parable that the birds come and they, they take it off the path because it's just lying there. And then the ground needs to be watered, it needs to be soft. If it's too hard, it's all cracked, nothing's going to grow. So you need to work at it. And you need to get rid of the rocks and stuff. <clears throat> Usually buckfast bottles where we were digging. Hundreds of green glass seemed to be everywhere. It was growing, I think. It used to be a play park and it turned into a, um, an allotment. So that's where the, the boys in Chapel Hall were drinking. So rocks and green glass we to get rid of. Because it's not good for the soil. Because anything in that ground is going to take up room and the seed will get damaged. And then if the soil's not deep enough with all that stuff in it, then the roots aren't going to grow deeper. Nothing's going to grow. 
to the roots went for him and the seed won't grow. The seed will just die. And then obviously the biggies, weeds. <coughs> but if I talk about weeds, uh, they grow everywhere. They even grow up through your gravel and slabs and everything. So, and they compete when the when stuff starts to grow, the weeds start to compete with everything. They take the nutrients out of the soil that the seed needs. Um, they compete for light. It's just never ending. And if you're like me, well, it's not my fault actually. They only gave me one day a week an allotment, steady two or three days they gave me one day, so I was trying to survive. I was trying to revive stuff every other week that, that, that was dying, we, didn't, we never really had a summer this year anyway, so it was no bad um, but the weeds were phenomenal and um, we were firefighting weeds all the time, do you know I've got guys that maybe know their mobility is no great, so I would I tell you I was getting fit anyway, digging rotten weeds out <coughs> Because they choke everything. They come into your garden and they take over and they just choke everything. And if you've tried to grow stuff, the seed just gets choked. I mean, that is this, this word. Um, and you need to pull them regularly. If you don't keep pulling them regularly, then all you do at the end of the week is just go up there and pull weeds. And you've no time to actually nurture the stuff that you've actually grew and plant and stuff like that. So your main focus is on the weeds all the time. And like us, we did to no bad weather. If we hadn't watered it from one week to the next, then the stuff's dying. And then you go and you overkill it with water. And uh, we'd be found this out in the polytunnels, where it was like a greenhouse. <clears throat> you know, if we watered them too much, the fruit, the fruit did grow, but it would grow deformed because it was got too much. And, and it was too much of a gap between water and stuff like that. So it was every day was a school day. It was a learning process. No enough water and the plants die too much and they grow malformed. And then when the, pro when the, gro the crops do, the fruit, and the, especially in the polytunnel, when they do grow, the crops need pruned because the leaves start to grow and they steal the light again and away from the fruit and you need to keep pruning in that if you want a decent crop. So um, I've got evidence on my phone by the way, you ought to see the stuff we grew in the polytunnels. Corn and the cobs this size and all the rest of it. Amazing stuff. But the, to the soil needs tilled all the time in the plot. It needs to be kept worked at. It needs to be, uh, you need to keep going at it. You see, Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within us. We are his spiritual garden. You see, in this parable, it said we are the soil. Our heart is our heart. Our spirit is the soil, and we need to care for our soil in order for it to grow anything. Because this is where God's seed is going to be planted. The Word of God is planted in us, and it grows. You see, I believe, and this is what the Word's about, it's about spiritual vision. I believe that God has planted seeds in everyone else. And maybe... At times, we've not really taken care of the, if you're like me, you've not really taken care of the soil. And it's still lying there, in the ground, but just waiting. You see, when the seed's planted in our soil, the soil works out what the seed's going to develop in there. 
You see, you don't need really to touch the seed. If the soil's good, then it's going to grow. But as soon as the seed's planted, the soil knows exactly where that seed is going to grow into. Is it going to grow into a tomato plant? Is it going to grow into cabbage, lettuce, corn on a cob, whatever? It's going to, the soil knows exactly what the seed's going to grow into. What it's going to grow and develop. And this is out working of the word in your heart. This is what I call the depth of God's will in your life. <clears throat> you see the detail of God's will is worked out later. But this is where the real work happens. When the seed starts to grow and develop. You see depth always comes before detail. And I believe this is the mechanics of the kingdom of God in our lives. You see, the seed is the word of God and it's planted in us. And I believe he's given each one of us a spiritual vision. The growth and the development of the seed is the working out of your salvation with fear and trembling. Your sanctification. The trials, the failings, and the getting up again and trusting and prayer and faith this is all the depth this is all the inner workings of the spiritual vision that God's given everyone is before it comes to fruition before the word becomes flesh and it's worked out in activity ministry that's the detail can we turn to John Gospel of John chapter 1 from 1 to 4 <coughs> Do you see what this seed is? This word is In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God He was with God in the beginning Through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 14 says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The word of God is God, was with God, and the flesh and the word became flesh and Jesus was born God the very God you can turn if you want to look chapter 1 <clears throat> so I'm going to try and explain a, a, a kind of an example a spiritual vision and how it's worked out in someone's life this is a story of Mary. This is the, is it the Magnificat they call it? The story of Mary and the birth of Jesus. It's Luke chapter 1 verse 28. Start from verse 28. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth 
town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name is Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Mary was given a, given a word from the Lord. In verse 37 it says, For no word from God will ever fail. So if God has given you a word, doesn't matter how many years ago it was, it will never fail. That word that was planted in your heart will never fail. For God, even though circumstances tell you this can't happen, it's crazy, for God all things are possible. Because his word is the most powerful thing in this universe. In verse 38 says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. <coughs> and I believe here, you see how the spiritual vision is birthed. You see, Mary <coughs> said, May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary believed God's word so she conceived so how did Mary have Jesus through his word what did she do with the word she just believed it what became of this word the word became flesh Mary gave birth to the Word, and the Word became flesh in Jesus Christ. Amen. So I believe that's not a spiritual lesson, I believe that's the mechanics of the kingdom. Because when you believe God's Word, which is the seed, you automatically receive it. And once you receive it, you conceive it. You see, once you conceive the seed that's in your soil, it will come to pass. The soil knows where it's going to come. And it will come. It will be birthed and it will become flesh. And this, this seed will grow in you. And then God will show you and work out his spiritual vision for you to follow. You see, the Apostle Paul in Mark 4, 29 1 verse 9 says this the Apostle Paul says so then King Agrippa I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven Paul had a vision and it came straight from heaven and he kept obedient to that 
his whole life was geared around this vision and keeping this spiritual vision in his mind. In Acts, it says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This is talking about the Apostle Paul. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Imagine getting a vision like that. I get told that was your vision that you were going to suffer for Jesus' name. You were going to go to the Gentiles. But at that point he hated anyway. You see, we need a spiritual vision. It says without a vision the people perish. Or you just drift. Drift into a religious atmosphere or a religious way of doing things. We need a vision. John 6 verse 66 says this From that time many of his disciples walked with him no more That is a really scary verse And if I'm being honest in my life there has been times where I fell at walking because it was too hard Following Jesus became too hard and I fell at walking but I always come to that verse, you know, but where can I go? Your words are eternal. Peter said to Jesus. And you find somewhere and you dig deep. But when you dig deep, you're looking for that word. You're looking for that word that God, and God will reveal it to you, that word that was spoken to you whenever, and you hold on to that, and you hold on to that verse. Where am I going with this? We need a vision. God's already gave you the vision. It's, it's how you water and prepare your soil and dig deep and dig deep. And no, no touch, don't touch the seed. The seed's a very, very delicate thing. If you've ever, some seeds you can hardly even see them in your hand, they're that small. But they grow into some. They say that the mustard seed was the smallest seed and it grew into the biggest plant and birds could nest in it. But the seed's very, very delicate. And when we get that word for God, we don't analyse it. We don't, we don't disturb the seed. You disturb the seed, you, you, you break the seed, you ruin it. You just leave it where it is. You just believe in it. You just believe in that word that God's gave you. And allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. And all the other stuff that's going on in your life, being obedient to the vision, being obedient is getting into your word <clears throat> and trying to follow Jesus Christ through the storms, through the circumstances in life, through everything. But that seed's going to come forth and it's going to work out and it's going to grow and it's going to develop and it's going to it's going to be the outworking. The spiritual vision then becomes detail. The depth then becomes detail. But when you get this detail, what do you do with it? Sometimes the detail is harder than the depth. If Paul would have been given this vision, he was getting, Ananias was told about this. This man's going to suffer big time. I don't know how Paul would have handled that at the start. But then when you get the vision, it seems bonkers. At times you think, it's no me, it's not going to hurt him, this isn't this, it's just crazy. And it makes no sense because it's nonsense. 
But the seed knows what it's going to grow in. And if you follow Jesus in obedience, take that vision, he'll work it out in his time. And then when you, when you find a bit of detail, and it's still faith, it's a stepping stone, be steps at a time, but when you get some detail, you need to live to it. Your whole life needs to be focused on that with Paul done. You need to be focused on that heavenly, heavenly vision. Oswald Chambers said this, <clears throat> When God gives a vision by his spirit, through his word, of what he wants, and your, and your mind and your soul thrill it. When I told you at the start, when I, when I realised, at the time I was, I hadn't a clue what was going on with me when I read this in Matthew and I, and, and I could explain it. I, re, I now realise it was a revelation. But when you've given a word, if you read the Bible and you read, you've read the same passage 30, 50, 100 times, and it's just words, and suddenly one day something happens, and you get that quickening in your spirit. It's called revelation. And it, the word becomes something completely different then because you get this quickening and, and, and God starts to speak to you out of it. When your mind and your soul thrill to this, this is a spiritual vision. If you don't walk in the light of that vision, what you do is you sink into a servitude. You sink into a point of view that the Lord Jesus never had. You become religious. If you ignore that spiritual vision and you just follow suit and just be conformed to something, I don't know whether it's church or whatever, and I'm not knocking church, believe me, I'm not. What I'm saying is if you conform to something instead of following this vision, you do get into a, a kind of servitude, and it's a point of view that Jesus never had. You become disobedient in mind to the heavenly vision, and it will make you a slave to points of view and that are totally alien to Jesus Christ. You see, you have to walk in the light of that vision that you've been given. That's how important it is to have a vision. Because then you become alive, the seed's growing, it's developing. You start to see things working out. You start to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. See, I believe you get followers and you believe you get believers. But a follower and a believer, a follower, a believer and a follower in Jesus Christ, a disciple. And a disciple is something with a spiritual vision, they're living to it. You see, <clears throat> this is the scary bit. And this is what I have to get. You see, you can never be the same after the unveiling of the truth. When you get that truth and that quickening happens, you can never be the same. You can't go back. I remember being in my room, and it was too hard for me to follow Jesus Christ at the start. He was telling me to follow him, and I was like, if I follow you, this will harm, and this will harm. It's too hard. I can't do it. I'm a who I'm a. I can't change, and all the rest of it. And I, I, I believe the Lord said to me, well, just go back to being who you were then, and Forget about me. Forget I'm real. But you can't forget he's real. Because you've had revelation that he's real. The guy that made the universe. It's kind of hard to forget that. And you can't just go back to ignoring that. I could have just forgot about that. I could have went back to the chapel. 
It'd been a nice wee Catholic laddie. And I'd have been a good guy in this game. I'd have been Jimmy the good guy. Instead, Jimmy the turncoat, traitor, scumbag, all the rest of it, for trying to follow Jesus Christ. But I was a coward and I was too scared. And God gave me the strength to follow him. But if I'd have been back, I'd have been back as a deserter. Because you can never be the same after the unveiling of a truth. That moment marks you for going on as a more true disciple of Jesus Christ. Or going back as a deserter. That's hard. But it's the truth. I've experienced it. I went back fishing quite a few times. I've... Uh, It's been too hard, very hard to follow Jesus Christ, very hard to try and walk in a vision, and at times I've stumbled and walked by, but His grace has kept me going. But if we walk in the light of the vision that God's gave us, God can do incredible things for people, incredible things. We'll sit there and listen to somebody else tell them how wonderful God is and what they've done in his life. God's give everyone his a spiritual vision. He's planted a seed in our heart. Even now as you're thinking about it, you know the word that he's told you. But the circumstances, the life, the weather, the ground, the weeds, everything have come against you to choke the life out of this word. And you've just went, you know what? It's not worth it. See, in the winter time, what we do is to stop the weeds figure on, we put that plastic stuff down or that membrane down and we just cover everything and it kills all the weeds and it's, you know, it's easy because the weeds aren't going to grow but guess what? Nothing's going to grow. Absolutely nothing's going to grow up through that unless you take it back off and as soon as you do, the weeds come. And it's easy for us to say, right, I'm going to be a nice wee Christian boy, I'm going to batten down the hatches, I'm just going to go to church, I'm going to do my wee thing, I'm going to do nothing else. Do you know something? The weeds will come anyway. We're all sinners, but we're saved by grace. But I'm sick of fighting the weeds. I'm sick of just repenting of all my sin, dealing with the weeds, dealing with us. I want to focus on the vision. I want to focus on the seed. I want to nurture the seed. And you know something, when you start to look at the seed and nurture that, you just pull up the weeds as they come. Don't wait till they're too bad, just keep pulling them as they go along. And you find when you're doing your gardening, you just, it becomes a wee, not a chore, but becomes daily. Because if I confess my sin, he is just and free, forgive me. And it's a daily thing. But we need to see this growth happening. So we can't just put the membrane down. We need to take the membrane off and we need to deal with life and we need to deal with our sin in our life and we need to deal with, with other things and all the other things that come against this wee seed for growing. You need to nurture it. You need to get back to that seed. You need to ask God to... You need to water it in prayer and faith and say, God, you told me that years ago and I've not forgot it, but I've put it in the back burner because life's too hard and I can't do that. And I've got too much on my plate now. I've got this, that and the next thing. And I've got too much responsibility. And God's like, listen. When all is said and done, 
the only thing that's going to matter is what you've done for Jesus Christ and what this seed grew into. I'm preaching to myself because I'm, it's too hard. But I need to know what this seed's going to become because I don't want to get to the end and say, if only. The two words haunt the life out of me, if only. If only I'd have seen where we could grow into what God can do in somebody's life. And I'm talking about everybody sitting here. There's no special people. You don't get A-list celebrities in the kingdom of God. You may get them in church. You come up and tell you a couple of horror stories. Come up and sign my book. Done with that. That's why I stopped giving my testimony for years. I felt it right to get in the jail. And make myself vulnerable in front of these guys. And the only reason I'm going to share it tonight again. Because God's asked me. But... <clears throat> Where am I going with us? Right up to the seed. I know God's planted a seed in your heart. I don't know what it is, but you do. Go and ask him again. And say, forgive me, Lord, for putting that in the back burner. I'm going to water this seed with prayer and faith. And I want you to work it out in my life. I want to see the detail of the depth that I've been going through for years. Years that he's been going through. The depth that you're working out in your life. The toolbox that you now have that you never had before is now ready for the detail. The valley stuff that you dealt with, you came through the other side. The pain that you felt, you've got a toolbox of life to help somebody else and it will be worked out in the detail that God's going to show you. Amen.